Today's scripture lesson is from Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 42, and I read from the Message Translation. John spoke up, Teacher, we saw a man using your name to expel demons, and we stopped him because he wasn't in our group. Jesus wasn't pleased. Don't stop him. No one can use my name to do something good and powerful and in the next breath cut me down. If he's not an enemy, he's an ally. Why, anyone, by just giving you a cup of water in my name, is on our side. Count on it that God will notice. On the other hand, if you give one of these simple childlike believers a hard time, bullying or taking advantage of their simple trust, you'll soon wish you hadn't. You'd be better off dropped in the middle of the lake with a millstone around your neck. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Has anybody told you today that you're the beloved of God? Mm, you are. Beloved sons, beloved daughters. And I know that we take that information in in various ways and some for various reasons can't hear that at all I, I, I honor that we hear things differently you know when we're early on in the Christian faith we hear words like that and we believe them to be true because of what we've done yeah right pastor says I'm the Beloved of God, because I go to church, I read my Bible, I pray occasionally, all good things. But as we mature in faith, we hear of our belovedness, and we know it's not because of us. We know it's by grace that God loves us. And our biggest challenge is to receive that. And to welcome that and let that sink in because it can change everything. You know, when we're in the early part of our Christian faith, not only true in Christian life, but it's true of Judaism and Islam and all of the major traditions. When we're first starting out as people of faith, we like somewhat rigid boundaries. And we like to know that what we're doing puts us on the inside of God's love. And what other people are doing puts them on the outside of God's love. It's a natural first step in the faith to kind of define who's in and who's out. But then we get to a place, the deeper we are in relationship with this loving God, we realize that those boundaries blur and God loves all people, whether they know it or not. God loves all of creation. The disciples in this particular passage are in the early part of their faith development. And I'm so glad that the Gospel writer left this in because it shows the disciples when they're not necessarily at their most mature best. It shows them when they were just starting out, 
when they were just beginning to get the message of grace that Jesus was teaching. There's some people who are healing demons, casting out demons, and the disciples, they, they see this happening, <clears throat> and they go back to Jesus, and they said, we saw people casting out demons, but they were not one of us, and they were not following our way of doing things, so we told them to stop. And Jesus seems to be unconcerned with the fact that other people were freeing folks up who were not in the direct line of Jesus' disciples. Do you see the, the clash of first half of life spirituality and second half of life spirituality? The disciples in the first half of life spirituality were saying, they're not doing it the way we do it, so they must be wrong. We told them to stop. Whereas Jesus is saying, people are being freed up. People are being healed. That's good. Don't stop them. God's love is bigger than you guys. Or maybe he said, you boys. <clears throat> Some of you may remember after 9-11, there was an interfaith prayer service at Yankee Stadium. And religious leaders from all over the New York metro area gathered on the field, center field, to, to pray with a stadium of 50,000 people, to pray for healing, to pray for wisdom, to pray for compassion, to pray for partnership with one another in various faith traditions. I remember watching that on TV and feeling like God was doing something significant and good and healing in our area. A few weeks later, there was a, a tribe within one of our mainline denominations who saw their bishop praying there at Yankee Stadium and said, we have to take that bishop out of office because he was praying with other people who don't believe like we believe. Do you remember this? Do you see the dynamics are the same? There were early adapters to a faith tradition who said it's impossible to pray with people of other faith traditions. And they tried to shut that down by taking their bishop to some ecclesiastical court for praying with people of other faith traditions and saying by doing so, he was betraying the Christian faith. Well, reason won out and we collectively realized God is bigger than this. And God's love for all people is bigger than our sometimes narrow interpretation of Scripture. The story is about casting out of demons and this week our whole nation and our whole world has been 
shining a light on the demon that is sexual violence, sexual abuse. And by shining light on such pain and such injustice, we who have a heart are all hurting because of what we have seen and heard and has brought up for us. And we as people of faith, people who follow Jesus, are called to walk tenderly with one another because we have all been affected by this at some level, some more personally than others. But by talking about it, and shining light on it, it may help free us, ultimately, from the demons of sexual violence and sexual abuse and abuse of any kind. Some may say, well, there are other groups that are doing things, but they're really not of God. If we look at this text, I would contend that any agency, any therapist, any group of people that are working together to care for those who have been abused are doing the work of God. Whether or not God's name is mentioned, they're doing something good, they're doing something holy, they're doing something that can bring healing to us as a people and as individuals. All those who are working for justice, all those who are showing compassion for those who have been wounded and hurt, we're on the same team. We're doing the work of God together. Albert Outler, one of the great Methodist theologians, said, our theologies divide us. Our mission unites us. We may have different theologies in our work for justice and inclusion and compassion for those who have been hurting. We may have different theologies, but our mission to express compassion unites us. Here's a sign that our church is on the journey to see God's handiwork as more than just what is expressed by the United Methodist Church. Can you imagine if we were at the farmer's market yesterday and we had a hundred buckets to give away for flood relief and we said, yes, here, have a bucket. These are just for Methodists. It would be ridiculous. But we realize that 
all good work that is done for those who are hurting, it doesn't matter who does the work. We brought 32 buckets to Lafayette School. We're going to bring more buckets to the middle school. We brought buckets. We met the CEO of the YMCA at the farmer's market last week. She said, can I have some buckets? We said, of course. Do you see how the Holy Spirit is leading us to a greater inclusion of what God is doing in the world? And it is all in the name of love, in the name of compassion. So if our theology may divide us, and this will become very clear in February of 2019 when our general conference meets and we have a very public fight over who's included in God's love and who's excluded in God's love. I wish we could go into that meeting with the hope that, yes, our theologies may divide us, but our mission unites us. So it begs the question, what is our mission? In light of great trauma, great injustice, great unfairness that we have experienced as individuals and the world is experiencing every minute of every day. I feel led this week to wisdom from John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, who lived by three simple rules that may help us to walk tenderly with one another, tenderly with people who are hurting, who have endured great injustice and even violence. John Wesley said, do good, do no harm, stay in love with God. Friends, this week, Maybe just today we start by walking out of this church and saying, God, help me simply and profoundly to do good, to do no harm, and to stay in love with God. Would you say those three things with me? Do good. Do no harm. Stay in love with God. Let's say that again. Do good. Do no harm. Stay in love with God. Let's say that one more time as a prayer. God, help us to do good. Do no harm. Stay in love with God. God, we are yours. Flow through us with your love and keep us focused as disciples of Jesus who seek to do good, do no harm, and stay in love with you. Amen.